and welcome to our Big Book Workshop. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenehouse.org. In each workshop, alcoholic women in recovery will use their personal experience and knowledge to help listeners better understand specific topics relating to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. At the end, our speakers will answer questions from the workshop audience. More information about attending our meetings, classes, and workshops can be found at magdalenehouse.org forward slash meetings. Please note, The curriculum we teach through our programs at Maggie's is from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we are not an Alcoholics Anonymous group, and we are not associated with AA. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Okay, today's meeting is a speaker meeting, and we have Marlena and... Maggie. Maggie. How do you forget Maggie's name? Marlena and Maggie, and they are going to share their experience on step five. Hi, I'm Marlena, I'm an alcoholic. And I'm Maggie, and I'm an alcoholic addict. Hey. So uh, we were asked to come and share our experience, uh, strength and hope on this step, this really important step. And as it talks about in the book, it's a vital step, right? And I was always taught uh, to pay attention when when you see that word vital in the book. It's only used about five or six times. And the reason that it's important is because vital means necessary to life. And if you're the kind of alcoholic that I was, my drinking was leading me to death. And so this step work, the steps to get recovered, was necessary to life. Without it, I was going to die. And so, you know, when, when, it, when it says vital, my ears just perk right up and I'm like, okay, I'm paying attention. So, Maggie, please feel free to jump in, all right, if you want. But what I was thinking was just kind of uh, sharing some of the, the parts of the book about the fifth step and then just personal experiences, both as a sponsee and a sponsor <laughs> with uh, what step five is all about for me. And, and I just wanna start off with probably like my favorite quote from the book about step five. And it says, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. Right, and, and that's the kind of person that I was. And you know, if, if you haven't had the experience of sitting down to write a fourth step yet, or you haven't had the experience of sharing your fifth step yet, you'll come to understand more about what that means. And I, you know, it, I, read, I think I read that line a couple times when I was in treatment before I actually got to my fifth step, and it never really clicked. You know, I think around step three, I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'm like kind of like trying to run the show. But, you know, the person that I presented to the world and to the person who I thought I was, really, was, this is what my friend referred to it as, a shadow of my former self. But if you had asked me, like, Marlena, are you really this type of person that is completely, like, self-centered, who will do anything to get another drink, to not feel sober, to not feel a feeling? Like, is that really who you think you are? And I would have passed the lie detector test and told you yes, right? Like um, that I am meant to be restless, irritable, and discontented for the rest of my life. And there was also like a, I won't won't get into the outside issues, but I had outside issues. 
And so there was like a certain level of pride that came with that. And that, and that was like my persona, right? Like I'm the girl who drank harder than everybody else, who had outside issues harder than everybody else. And like, that was who I was. That's what was important to me. That's who I was. That's who I wanted you to know me as. Um, and so without that, you take that away from me, I have no idea who I am. And that was terrifying. Uh, and so writing the fourth step and heading into the fifth step where I'm about to tell somebody else all of these things about myself, I'm about to peel off those layers, right? I'm about to show <coughs> Marlena deep down. And I had no idea what that was going to look like. And that was terrifying. But man, I had, um, like not to get too much into the fourth step, but I was in treatment for the whole time. And I mean, I poured my little heart out into that step. I really did. I tried so hard um, because I had never in my life wanted to be sober before. I had wanted to want to be sober. And here I was on my fourth step and I had a couple months of sobriety. I had never had that before. And I was just so scared that I was going to screw it up on this step. So I, I did, I did like everything that my um, adult brain could do to make that step thorough. And, and I remember my sponsor she picked me up from treatment and she was a, a single mom. You know, she didn't have a lot of time, but she made time for me. Me and my 80 resentments. Yep. Um, <laughs> God bless that woman. <laughs> and, you know, she said like, what, you know, we're, I mean, we were kind of limited. I was in treatment. It's not like we could really go to many places, but um, we went to a, a state park at, down in Elgin. That's where I was out by Austin. And we, we got us, you know, kind of a secluded area, and um, she just listened. And she just said, just start reading. And she just listened, and she didn't, her jaw didn't drop open. Uh, she didn't laugh at me, you know. She didn't tell me to, like, stop talking and close the book. It was, you know, you're, you're going back to treatment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some are sicker than others. <laughs> I can't help you. I mean, I, I really just just poured it out to her. Even some of just like the darkest secrets that I hadn't told anyone that I really thought she would be like, that she would judge me for and that she would reject me for and she didn't. And that's the kind of spirit that I like to bring moving forward with the women that I, I get to listen to this fifth step with, right? Because um, it talks about in the book that this step is, it's, I, I, I'm never gonna put it as eloquently as the book, so I'll just, I'll just say it. Uh, if we, Let's see. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking, right? And it goes on to talk about how if we don't do this to the fullest extent, if we don't take this step, if we skip it entirely, we are going to drink again, right? And so somebody, when, when we're taking women through the steps, like the fact that you can <coughs> see that person that helps them take one more vital step towards life, towards recovery, is one of the biggest honors that I think you can have in this program. So to, to enter that space with understanding, with an open mind, and with just acceptance, I think is so key because that is where that magic happens, right? That's where the layers come off, the, the curtains are open, the makeup is gone, right? And we see that stuff. And, and a lot of times, I mean, this is my experience in, in the fifth step, is that when I was reading that to her, I was seeing who I really was for the first time. Not just, not just her, but who I was. And I, I didn't like it. You know, it talks about in the fifth step promises about 
this it's kind of like oh like everything's great like you can look the world in the eye like I mean I gotta tell you like that was not my experience <laughs> like it it was not I was like I kind of felt like I got the wind knocked out of me like I was looking at my mistakes and the actions that I had taken in my alcoholism and how I had affected so many people's lives and how you know fear had just owned me since I was a kid and how selfish I was with my sex conduct it, gosh I just I didn't like what I saw um, and that was eye-opening it was humbling um, and it was absolutely vital because without seeing that there was nothing to take into step six and seven right talking about defects of character well if I can't identify what those are how am I, how am I gonna turn those over to God so that's what that purpose is like we're not doing this step because we want you to feel like crap about yourself we're not doing this step because we want to like seem like we're better than or that you're the hardest person out there right like we're doing it because this is how we identify the defects of character that we are going to seek God's help with and so you know, I, I think it's really important to have a space that you can be really, really comfortably on. Well, maybe not comfortable, but honest in. You know, like doing a fifth step in the middle of a really crowded Starbucks is probably a terrible idea. Um, it, yeah, like, because chances are you're going to talk about some, some stuff, right, that you might not want other people to hear about. Um, and so like the most recent fifth step that I did, I, I asked her, I said, like, where do you want to go? Where's, where are you safest? Do you want to come to my house? Do you want me to come to your house? Like, what do you want? And she's like, I want you to come to my house. And so that's what we did. And, you know, just clearing away distractions. Phone is away. Phone is off. Like, I am present. I am here for this woman to listen and to help guide her through this step. And so, you know, I mentioned, like, the defects of character. And so along with that come, like, not just listening, but as a sponsor, you're helping to make that list. And it's not that I'm sitting there saying like, well, you're these things, right? It's that like I'm taking in what you're telling me. And it, a lot of times when I'm listening to a fifth step, like I am praying in my head, like, God, please show me how I can be helpful to this woman right now. What does she need to see? And I'm writing down this list of what I hear based on what you're telling me. Um, and every single time, a hundred out of a hundred times, Everything on that list was on my list too, every single time. And I always emphasize that because I don't ever want to seem like I am better than or um, that I don't struggle with the same stuff that everyone else struggles with. I think that's really important for women to feel like they can identify and they're not alone in that because sometimes this process can be quite jarring. And so I think that's essential. And I have a lot more to say, but I want, I want you to jump in and say some stuff too. So I'm sorry. Please, Mary. No, don't. It's fine. You know, I, I, I went to the steps so many times and I never got it right because I wanted to do it buffet style. You know, I wanted to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But if you think I'm doing that, you got to be out of your dang mind. That's not happening. But for anybody that's heard my story, you'll understand that I've been through some crazy, insane things in my life. I've done things that I am certainly not proud of. And, you know... I, I didn't, I was, I was, I lived in a lot of fear to do my inventory on my fourth step and I certainly lived in fear to doing my fifth step because I knew I had done some horrible things, things that I hadn't faced, you know, things that I hadn't um, even personally dealt with. You know, I, I know that I had gone through some things that, that I had to deal with because the state made me do it, but, <laughs> but I didn't 
internalized what that really meant and the harm that I had caused so many people and the hurt and like like costing people their lives and things that I had done. And I, you know, a lot of the times when I used to do my, my fourth and fifth steps, I would omit things deliberately because I didn't, I was, I, I, first of all, I'm scared that my sponsor is going to judge me. And, and then I'm also scared that I'm going to judge me. You know, I just didn't know how to deal with it. And I was really petrified. And, you know, this last time, you know, it was a life or death situation for me, like it is for a lot of people. But I mean, I didn't have anything left in me. And, you know, I, it was time to come clean. It was time to let those U-Haul junk trucks come and take out all my garbage because I've been holding it captive so long. And I just needed relief because all I did was drink myself to death so I didn't have to feel the pain that I caused my own self and all my family. <coughs> and that was the biggest thing is it's just like, and it, you know, even though I know the things that I had done and I know, because I had done a fifth step before with my sponsor, I knew what my defects of character were. I knew what a crappy person I was, but I also needed to get honest and I also needed to get humble and finally just let it all out and not care because the, the sponsor's job isn't to sit there and point your finger and judge you. They're there to love you, love you and, and relate. Maybe not been through the same things that you've been through, but they've certainly walked that path in a similar manner. And, you know, for me, I, it was the most freeing step that I ever took. Yeah, it hurt because I found out what a shitty person I was, but at the end of the day, I got to relieve all that crap. I didn't have to hold it inside and, and keep it captive and, and keep secrets that I've been holding for decades, you know? And, and that was the biggest thing for me. And, and I'm like you, I, t I do ask my girls where they want me to, to do it. I literally like take them to the park under a tree. I can sit there and I, you know, I'll, you know, I like to play music for them because, you know, I like, I'm just a music fiend, so I always play fight song for them, you know, because we're going to take back our lives, right? And, you know, it's doing my fifth step was one of those things. I finally felt like I was free. You know, I got rid of all of that anger and pain and, and you know, don't have to feel guilt and shame anymore, you know, and that was the biggest thing about my fifth step is it was vital. It was truly vital that I did it, and I... A long time ago, when I was doing my steps, I would pick my sponsor based off of their personality or based off of, you know, do they drive a nice car or, or you know, I did, for real. And it, I never got anywhere with that. You know what? You don't have to get along with your sponsor. Their job is to get you those steps so you can get connected to your higher power. And they can, and then that's what will lead you. It gets you unclogged from all that crap and all that junk that you're holding in on that fifth step and you're letting it go, it's helping you unclog those pipes to get close to your higher power so that you can rely on them and not your human resources. You know, so that's what was freeing for me doing my fifth step and what I try to encourage my girls to do is, you know, to, you know, yeah, I want them to check in with me every day and do the, all that stuff, but really, have you, have you prayed about it? You know, when we get to these steps and you get to that fifth step and you've really, truly done a really good inventory and really let it out, I mean, even though, yeah, you feel like a crappy person, but it's really, when those U-Haul junk trucks go away, it's so much easier to take out the garbage, you know? You know, like, you have you ever been in your house and it's so freaking filthy, you can't stand to be in it, 
and you're so overwhelmed that you don't know what to do, that's what's on your fifth step. Like that's what you're doing. You're getting rid of it and you're having somebody do clean your house. And then when you're done, it's like, wow. And then you feel great when you walk in your house, like, man, this is good, you know? And so that's the biggest thing with me is like, you know, when I, I do the fifth step with my girls, it's like, you know what, do you see the patterns? Like, look at the things that you keep doing over and over and over again. It's like, is it ever gonna stop? Well, you gotta recognize the patterns first to understand. And my thing was, is they'd done me wrong. I never wanted to look at myself. I never wanted to look at column four. I didn't wanna know, I didn't wanna know what my part was because surely they had done me wrong first. But in reality, they were just responding <coughs> to my actions. You know, they were just retaliating because I was a selfish SOB, you know? And that's the truth. And so I always tell my girls, how free do you want to be? Don't hold on to those vital things. And for me, I had, I was in a really bad car accident in 2016 and I had really bad brain damage. So I didn't remember a lot of things. You know, I, I couldn't, ha I couldn't recollect a lot of things. And I was doing my fourth step and I was really scared that I wasn't doing a good inventory because I couldn't remember. And you know what my sponsor told me, she says, you know, Maggie, pray about it and God will reveal it to you when it's time for you to remember. But don't trip about it because you know what? You'll remember it as long as you know you didn't deliberately omit anything. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. I had two days to do my fourth step just so y'all know. My sponsor was hardcore. I got through my steps in seven days and it was the best thing I ever did. I'm not telling y'all to do that, but that's what I did. And you know, I'm two, almost two and a half years clean now this time, thanks to Maggie. I'm a two times Maggie's girl. You know, it, it, it changed my life. But doing that fifth step, that really freed me. It freed me, it gave me the sense, it just gave me peace and serenity. Yeah, you know, you, like you said, you point out that you're a crappy person, but it helps you to, to get humble and say, you know what, I don't have to be that person anymore. You know, because once that U-Haul junk truck goes away, go away, you don't have to worry about it anymore because the garbage man takes out all the rest. So. Yeah, forever. Yeah, you don't ever see that stuff no more. You don't have to see that stuff no more. Yeah, I like what you said about like the unclogging of the pipes, you know, yeah. and that's exactly what it is. And I think like one other role, I think as a sponsor, especially is like not just to listen, but to help like sometimes like when you know, when you're like the one who has the problem, you can't see the solution. Right. And so that sponsor is there to help like unclog that clog. Right. You know, I, I remember like listening to someone's inventory or my sponsor listening to mine and she'd be like, okay, let's go back to that one for a second. You know, like, so what's in that fourth column again? And she'd be like, no, I don't think so. Like, there's got to be more to it. And we would talk it out, you know, and she'd ask me those questions like, well, I mean, is it possible that you did this? You know, is it possible that trying to slash <laughs> the guy's tires that you cheated on your boyfriend with? Um, you know, like just stuff like that, like uh, really kind of like pull that out because as much as I, as I really did want to do this well and I, I did try my best, like the truth is that I also needed help to get there. And so I like that analogy that you said because, you know, we too get to play a role in that in a kind and loving way, right, to help someone get through that clog and get to the other side of it. You know, because it, it can be hard to kind of jump from column three to column four sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, that column three, 
Sometimes that feels pretty good. Like, kind of justified, like, yeah, look at all these things that affected. And then you get to like fourth and you're like, oh, that was me that affected this. <laughs> but uh, what was the other thing I was gonna say? Oh, 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 I, I mean, and like defer to your sponsor on this, but this was something that I, I thought was really cool that I, my sponsor did. And she told me that any, any resentment, any inventory, any sex inventory, resentment inventory um, that I had that had to do with like any sort of trauma, like abuse, rape, molestation, like any kind of abuse in any way, she was like, do not write those out. Like you can write that you're resentful at that person that did that, but don't finish the rest of your inventory on it. And I didn't really understand it at the time, but it's because she didn't want me sitting there trying to think of all the ways that I had caused that to happen to myself because that's not what that was about. And I think that, you know, she wanted to be the one to help me differentiate where I was truly a victim and where I was just living in that false victimhood, right? Um, and I think that that is really important because I don't ever want a woman to walk away from this fifth step thinking that she caused any of those things to happen to her, right? And what I was taught was, here's, here's a good example from my fifth step. My brother died when we were in high school. He was drunk and he drove his car and he died, right? And I wasn't there when he was drinking. I wasn't there when he, I, did, I wasn't even in the same house when that happened, right? But it changed my family forever. And I was always really resentful. I don't know if I was resentful at him or if I was resentful at my parents because they changed so much when he died. But I put that down in my sponsor and I was like, I don't have a mistake. I wasn't there. I wasn't drinking with him. I didn't know he was drinking. I couldn't have taken the keys from him. I wasn't with him, you know, like, and I was just a kid. I couldn't control what my parents did. I was like, I don't have any mistakes in this. She's like, okay, okay, that's probably true. But how did you show up as a result of this resentment to your brother, right? And how I showed up as a result of that once I was actually an adult was that I lived my life in such a way that I delusionally thought that God wouldn't take two kids from the same family so I can live as recklessly as I want to live and I won't die. And to my parents, that was not the case at all. They just thought we're going to lose another one, right? And so that's how I showed up as a result of my resentment. And that was a really profound way of my sponsor taking me from that, from that first and second column where I was like, I am right. These people wronged me. And she got me to see how the way that I showed up in my life because of something that happened to me as a, child, as, a, as a young adult, how that affected the way that I lived my life, not just to me, but the people around me. And that I did cause my family harm because I caused them so many nights of worry because I was out drinking and <coughs> living life like I didn't think I was going to die when I could have died so many times, so many times. Uh, and so I, I thought that that was a really neat way of a, of a sponsor helping in a fifth step, like <coughs> trying to get to the deeper root of that stuff, you know? And doing it, you know, like if, if, if you are taking someone through the fifth step and you're not quite sure how to do that, or if that's something that, um, that you wanna know more about, I mean, talking to your sponsor about it, um, I'm always happy to talk to people about it, but I, I think that there's so many profound experiences that you can have with this step if you're open to it. Um, and, th and that was definitely one for me. Are you an alcoholic woman in recovery seeking connection? Maggie's Women's Group is a fellowship group for women in recovery to build friendships and connect with the community at the Magdalen House. 
Maggie's Women's Group is open to any alcoholic woman in recovery, not just Maggie's alumna. To find out how to get involved and connect with us on Facebook, please visit magdalenhouse.org slash Maggie's Women's Group. I think the thing that um, my sponsor did with me when I took my fifth step is not only did she write down all my you know defects of character and and things like that and showed me what but also we started making my you know my my resentment list and my people that I'd harmed like who did all because you know a lot of the times I didn't think about institutions that I'd stolen from and and <laughs> yeah all those and I mean, <laughs> I mean and I really you know sometimes I didn't think about the things the people that I'd harmed that I didn't realize that I'd harmed. And, and so, because I was selfish and, and, and inconsiderate and all those other things, so, you know, like, kind of got, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth was all kind of done at one time, which was really helpful to me because I felt so overwhelmed in the beginning, you know, thinking, God, I gotta get through all these steps, how am I gonna do that? You know, and I tried it so many times and failed miserably and fell on my face, and, you know, it was just really, it was just really hard at first to, to see all the damage that I caused and you know now that that I've been through the steps and I've been in recovery for a while you know I, I get I got to be on the other side of it with my my kids and seeing the effects that my addiction had on them and you know and luckily for me you know my youngest daughter she was sick in her addiction for a long time well you know it took a death of a really close friend that she was there with me at the hospital and she got sober because of it seeing that I got to be on the other side of what I was doing to them and see the pain that I caused them because my kid was doing it to me. And it's just, you know, when I look back on my, because I still have my fourth step list, I keep it always because you never know when you need to be referred back to and make sure you made your amends and doing things that you need to be doing. But I look back on some of those and make sure that I keep, you know, praying about removing those shortcomings and doing the things that we listed because you know, God doesn't always remove everything all at once, mm-hmm. you know, in those lists that we make during that fourth step and um, that fifth step. And we don't always, but the thing that I realized is also is that some of your shortcomings and your character defects, God doesn't remove them all because somebody else needs to see them in themselves and, and realize, that, man, if you spot it, you got it kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so... I, I, you know, a lot of the times I would pray, God, please remove this from me, you know, and that does get into like the sixth step and everything, but it, it was part of the inventory that we did and, and the list that we made during our fifth step that we got to realize <laughs> that the whole point of this is to help another woman that's sick and dying realize that there is a solution and that we don't have to stay sick. Like the book says, if you skip this vital step, you might not ever recover. You know, you may drink again and it's, it, it'll kill you. And it's a life or death situation. That's when I tell myself, I'm an alcoholic and I better not forget it. And I tell myself that every day, sometimes multiple times a day. You know, luckily for me, I don't really think about drinking or not think about it. I just don't think about it because, you know, the problem just gets removed. And it got removed very quickly for me after I did my fifth step. It was like just, it just, it just, it just disappeared. It got removed and it's crazy. And it doesn't always happen like that. It says that sometimes it goes, happens quickly, sometimes slowly, you know, but it will always materially if we work for it, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, that's just the way it is. And, you know, don't live in fear of this. It's fear is false events appearing real, you know, don't live in fear about doing your fourth step and your fifth step because it is the most freeing thing that I can say that I've ever done. And I've lived a crazy life, but 
you know, don't think that your past and all the things that you've done are so horrific that you can't spill them. Because that's the way I did, and I lived in addiction for 20 years, nearly cost me my life several times, and it's all because I was too proud. You know, I was that, I was the one that lived that double life, you know, because I made $200,000 a year, and I thought I was better than that, and I never wanted anybody to know that I'm this raging alcoholic that sleeps with her bottle of whiskey every night. You know, and nobody needed to know that part of me. I didn't want anybody to see that part. And so I lived in fear of telling all the truths about myself when I did my fifth step until I finally surrendered <coughs> and said, I'm tired of these pipes being clogged with guilt, shame, fear, resentment, anger, all those things that they clog it up and you just try to keep running the show and you know, how well would that work for you? Not so well, you know, and ended up homeless several times, you know, so just take one day at a time, sometimes one breath at a time, but truly work with your sponsor and, and really just surrender completely and don't hold anything back. And I promise you it's the most freeing step I've ever done. Maybe very eye-opening for you and, and hurtful, but I'll tell you what, if you'll just be humble and let it sink in that you are loved, mm -hmm. that your life, that you have a purpose. That's the thing, I never had a purpose in my life. I never understood what it meant that I could save another sick and dying person's life by sharing a little bit of my story to tell them that, you know what, I understand. I've walked in your shoes. May not seem the paths that you've walked, but I've done it. And, you know, the book says that, you know, you, only another alcoholic or an addict can, you know, gain the trust by speaking to somebody for just, you know, a couple hours by telling them a little bit about themselves. That's why I said we don't want to ever shut the door on the past nor forget about it because we need to remember that this is what we were and this is where we came from. And, and that's just the thing that we, we really have to do. So don't get hung up on your fourth step. Don't be fearful of your fifth step. You know, go in there, you know, pray about it, accept it as it is. Know that, yeah, you've done some crappy things, but we all have, we all have. We've, you know, I've heard it all, I've done a lot of it, so. You know, I just want to encourage y'all to really just sit down and, and surrender and say, you know what, I can't, you can't, I think I'll let you this time. Because every time I run the show, bad things happen. I either wind up in handcuffs or whatever that looks like for me or for you. So, you know, but like I said, a lot of people fear the fifth step. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't. A lot of people go back out because of it. You don't have to. Relapse doesn't have to be a part of your story. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think like, you know, give your higher power the opportunity to show up for you. Like if yes. you've done that work in the fourth step and you're ready to read that fifth step, you're ready to take that step with someone else, like you have done the work. Okay. And right now, like when you had that opportunity to take step five, like give your higher power the opportunity to show up for you. Cause that is most often than not, like how I see God in this program is through other women mm -hmm. and how we help each other. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I said that like, I, I felt very like humbled and kind of jarred by the experience, <coughs> but at the same time, it was a freeing experience because I knew that now that this was on paper, now that someone else had listened to me and they hadn't run and set themselves <coughs> on fire after hearing what I read to them, right? That there was a chance for me to keep moving forward in the work and to get even freer than I was.
So yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, don't be scared of this stuff. You know, I think, like the book, I, you know, every now and then, like the book kind of dates itself. And I think it talks <laughs> about how like, you can take this stuff with like, it's a lot, it lists a couple different people. My experience with taking it solely with my sponsor is the only experience I've ever had. I've done a couple fifth steps. I've been sober since April 7th of 2010. I feel like you can't talk about step five without talking about the other steps. Right. But maybe that's like that with all the steps, really. As we go throughout this program, the longer that you stay sober, the more connection that you develop with your higher power, the more insight you're going to have into stuff. So. You know, writing this fifth step, right, like when I wrote it back in 2010, like I really thought that it was like the most badass fifth step, right? I was like, yes, like I get this stuff. And then like, you know, I read it to my sponsor and got through the work and, and, and you know, here I am. But um, I go back, like I'll go back and look at that fifth step and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even write a mistake in this one. Like I was just so like stented in what I could see but I but I really poured my heart out into it and I think God meets us where we're at with that you know like it does not have to be perfect if you are putting your heart into this and you are doing the best you can that is good okay nobody's winning awards for their four step right there's no Pulitzers for the four steps so don't worry about that and that's really like also where your sponsor what your sponsor is for to help point things out that maybe you can't see yeah um, I feel like we should at least read the fifth step promises here on 75. It says, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. So beautiful and eloquent. And I mean, look, like I, I stand by what I said. Like I didn't feel like I could look the world in the eye. I don't know that I felt like perfect peace and ease, but I did feel near to my creator. And I did feel like I was starting to have an actual spiritual experience. And you know, I saw other people come back from their fifth steps in treatment and they were like on pink cloud, like, Free as could be. I mean, that was just not my experience, and I just share that because if, if you have an experience similar to mine, like you didn't do anything wrong, you're not alone. But that's just not, not what it was for me. But, you know, the paragraph after this, equally important, right? It says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, that's the first five steps, we ask if we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? And I don't know what mortar is, but I, someone told me this is like comparing, like we're mixing cement, right? And if you mix, if you don't put something in the cement, it's not going to solidify, it's going to crack and crumple, right? Because we're building this foundation. And so like, let's talk about that. Like returning home, we're quiet for an hour, right? They call it like the power hour. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I went back to treatment and at treatment, like once you came back from your fifth step, they gave you an hour alone in a room, which is very rare in treatment. You're usually around someone at all times. A beautiful, beautiful hour of silence out in the real world I, I suggest to the women that I take through the steps like I, I suggest like no phones no screens 
if you want to have some peaceful music, go for it. But really, like this hour is to reflect on everything that has, that you've just gone through, right? Everything that was shared in that fifth step, um, the things that you saw, the things that maybe you didn't like, like maybe. Maybe your sponsor gave you your list of defects of character and you're like, that B word. <laughs> I had someone tell me that once. <laughs> they told me that I was a B word. Um, you know, um, but yeah, so like this is a time to reflect. And so we're, we're really not just taking a look back at what that experience was like, that fifth step, but we're seeing if we omitted anything, right? And so this careful time and reflection, this time that we can listen to God, that we can talk to God, if you realize like, oh my gosh, I left this thing out that I totally forgot about, or you know what, like I didn't want to tell her this one thing because I was just hoping that I just wouldn't think about it anymore, but I know I got to tell her. Like that's the time, call your sponsor, get free from that. This is the space for it. This is the time for it. Like leave it all out there. Be raw, be vulnerable, be open to having this connection and this relationship with your higher power. Because I, I, my experience is that in those moments are the times that I feel my higher power the most. Um, it's the times that I'm most scared that I won't, but when I open myself up to it, it's the time that I feel him the most. And so I do like that it gives us that instruction at the very end to take some quiet time with God. I guess we will open it up with some question and answer. Yeah. Do any of you ladies have any questions, comments? I'm only up to one, so I haven't gotten to the sponsor step, but how like how long do you stay in touch still with people that you sponsored or like what does that look like on your end? Is it just while you're here or how what does that look like? Um, I'm, I have I, I become really good friends with my sponsees. Um, I, I guide them. I make sure that they're praying and get in touch with their higher power, of course. But it's a it's a it's a beautiful relationship, and that's the beautiful thing about this fellowship is that you build honest, good, loving relationships with these women, and it's something that can never be broken. I mean, it's been vital for me and. This time around, you know, I, I've stayed very close to my recovery family and it has played a key part in me staying sober. Like I said, I've tried to do these steps many, many times and, you know, even when I did try to do them the right way, I didn't stay close to recovery. I didn't stay close to the people that were in the meetings. I didn't stay close to my sponsor. I'd call her every once in a while, but I found that that never worked for me. And so with my girls, I, I want them to, I want them to call me and say, hey, what's up? Not, it doesn't have to be about recovery. It can be about anything. Tell me that you got a good job. Tell me that you had a great day. Tell me you had a crappy day. I don't care. But, you know, I just make time. And, and I find that I've built friendships with each and every girl that I sponsor. And I have a lot of them. And it's been the most beautiful thing that I've ever done. And I, I was always scared to let women close to me. You know, because my sister died of a drug overdose in 2010. And ever since then, I shut the world off. I wouldn't let women near me. I, I, I thought that they were just backstabbing, you know, what? And I wasn't going to allow that. And this time around, you know, being a sponsor and being close to these women that I'm sponsoring, I've gained the most beautiful friendships and loyal, trusting people that will do anything for you that I never had that before because I wouldn't tear down that wall. 
and we all built huge walls, huge. And the women in these rooms, they'll love you. They'll give you anything, they give you clothes off their back. You call them at three in the morning, I promise you they'll come. My phone's never turned off, ever. I'll tell everybody I, that I talk to, you call me at three in the morning, I will answer. I promise you I will. You ask anybody that knows me, they'll tell you she'll answer. You know, even if it's for something stupid. You know, that's what we hear. We're here to build each other up because we've spent so many years tearing each other down. Yeah, and your relationship with your sponsor can be as long or as short as you want it to. I mean, I would encourage you to have a relationship with a sponsor at all times, but I have had, like the woman who took me through the steps in 2010, when I moved up to Dallas, I switched sponsors, and since then I have switched two other times, and my sponsor is Chloe, she works here, so she has been my sponsor for several years now. I still keep in touch with those women that sponsored me before. I feel like I could call any of them up and be like, I need a 10 step with you. And they'd be like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> um, and they would just, they, I don't know, like that anything that I told them, you know, even if I didn't do a fist step with them, will always stay with them and stay between us. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So, Maggie being two and a half years sober, Marlene 12 years sober, Y'all still do continue doing fourth and fifth steps yourself? Yes. Any, I mean, yeah, anytime that I have something <coughs> of resentment that comes up, you know, we, we address it quickly. You know, like when we're 10 stepping, we, we make sure that if there's something that I've done that, you know, maybe I owe a resentment, you know, maybe I owe an amends to somebody, you know, we don't just hang on to it and, and bury it because that, that's, that's, That'll, that could cause you to drink. Yeah. For sure. So, for sure. you know, um, no, I definitely address that very quickly and make sure that if there's something that's on my mind, I if I can't get a hold of my sponsor, I'm going to call somebody else. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be your sponsor that you call immediately. If you can't get a hold of her, you better have a list. I, I know I have tons of women in recovery that, you know, that I can call anytime, day or night, if I need to do a 10th step with them and make sure that I continue to take inventory. You know, hey, you know what, I, you know, I probably do owe them an amends or, you know, I, holding resentments can, it'll kill you. Mm. It will kill you. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I'm just happy to live with Loki. I don't have a lot of, I, I do, I mean, like literally, this is the first time in my life I can actually say that I am truly happy. I don't, I don't let things bother me. It's like, you know what, I don't let people get under my skin like I used to. I don't think of how vindictive I can be to get back at them anymore. You know, it's just like, you know what? That's on them. You know, clean, keep your side of the street clean. Stay in your lane. Because we like to get in other people's lanes a lot. And that's a head-on collision waiting to happen. I mean, for real. So, you know, that's, that's why it's so crucial just to make sure you keep your side of the street clean. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, and it, when I said before, like, it's kind of hard to talk about the fifth step without talking about the other steps. Like, what I mean by that is... Um, you know, like I, I, I did this first fifth step in 2010 and, you know, I had a sponsor, my sponsor after this sponsor was really big on the 10th step, really, really big on it. <coughs> and so that kept me, that, the 10th step, if I am practicing it consistently, keeps me really connected and clear to God. And I find that I don't have to write inventory as much when I'm doing a consistent 10th step. Same with step 11. If I'm doing step 11, keeps me clear and connected to God and I can usually clean things up pretty quickly without it building up to the point where I'm sitting down and writing out my inventory. 
but I still sit down and write out inventory, resentment inventory, fear inventory, sex inventory. Hey, don't forget to update your sane and sound sex ideals. That's fun, right? <laughs> because the guy that I was looking for in year one, not the same as the guy that I was looking for as a recovered person who was like truly recovered, okay? So um, yes, I still do th these parts of the fifth step. And I think one thing to keep in mind is also like, you may find at some point that you've written a lot of inventory and your mind might jump to like, yeah, yeah, I know my mistakes, I get it. Like, I don't even have to write it out. Um, I encourage you to still write it out. Not just because like we don't wanna become, you know, mechanical or automatic about our experience with the work. Like this is where we connect to God. But um, I, in so doing, I have had, I'll get on like a soapbox about the third column. Like, I love the third column. And that is honestly where so much growth has come from long-term recovery is a focus on that third column. Because I can think of a resentment and I can tell you everything that's gonna go in that fourth column right off the top of my head. But when I sit down and do like a really thorough extended third column, I mean, I'm, at year 12, I'm just like, how, am I even sober for 12 years the way that I'm acting? Like what, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's very eye-opening and, and it helps me to continue to seek God and know that like I constantly need God in my life. Like I'm never like just done with this deal and healed. Like it's always there in a good way. So <laughs> yeah, good question. What is the pain and sound? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, okay. Oh, okay. So this is actually on the fourth step, but we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll go to it, right? So on page 69, it says, in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test, was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Okay, so what I heard my sponsor tell me when she said, write a sane and sound sex ideal was, <laughs> Write a list of character traits of the perfect man. <laughs> and so I'm not kidding. This included <coughs> tattoos, blonde, <laughs> I mean like things that I, I don't know, I don't know. You know, some of us just need more time, okay? And, um, right, but what, 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 what she was really trying to get me to do was uh, to whittle down the core character traits that I would desire in a partner, right? So what I'm talking about is like, for me, honesty, a connection with God, someone who's willing to grow and evolve and not stay stagnant, okay? Those things. And then when I shared with her what those things were, she said, great, now you have to be those things first before you can try to find someone who has them. And that was a real bummer. Um, <laughs> but but so like I mean so my first scene in sound sex ideal was pretty long I couldn't remember it right and then like let's say I would like be flirting with a guy at a meeting and I'd be like wait what's my scene in sound sex ideal <laughs> I don't know he's cute who cares um, <laughs> and like this is the best advice I heard in a meeting um, and it was shared by a guy and he said that he had all of his male sponsees it, that their scene and sound sex idea was like two or three sentences long so that they could recall it, like they could recite it like that. And I was like, that's brilliant. And so I try to like keep mine really short and simple so that I can recall it. Um, and, then, and then here's the other hard part to that is that when you can recall it and you meet someone who doesn't align with that scene and sound sex ideal, walk away. 
<laughs> walk away. Um, because wow, right, how cute they are. Yes, yes. Because right, we're making this decision to li- to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And uh, I'll tell you what, I see more people go out over <coughs> sex and love. Yep. Than anything yep, else. Absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had several girls that have gone out because the guy broke up their heart. I mean, I relapsed my last time because of a guy. You know, he ghosted me, and I didn't understand that. I'm like, how dare him? Don't he know who I am? Yeah, I was at the liquor store, headed straight to do other things before I even knew what hit me. Suddenly, it was a great idea to stop at the liquor store over a guy. Like, no, no. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, and it's really funny that they talk about that because they're always saying, you know, don't get into a relationship in your first year of recovery. Yeah. And at first, I, I didn't understand that. And I'm like, who are they? It's not even in the book. But I'll tell you what, from my own personal experience, I, I found that if you truly are praying about who God or your higher power wants you to be with, like, the, the first couple of guys that I tried to date, God removed them. Like, they were gone because that's not what was for me and I was more to be focused on me and to get me back to normalcy and have you know and to love myself because I destroyed myself for so many years that I didn't even know who I was you know and then you get mixed up in a toxic relationship you're asking for trouble Mm -hmm. love yourself be okay by being by yourself Mm -hmm. it is okay to be by yourself get you some girlfriends and let them love you yes you know, yeah. for real. Yeah. You like, but sticking close to the program and the women in these rooms, I'll tell you what, it's the best thing I ever did. I know. I I had more of an experience with sex inventory and a sane and sound sex ideal in recovery. Like, like I knew all of my relationships prior to recovery were a total S storm. Like that was not a surprise. I was like, yes, I know I was careless with my sex conduct, and I hurt a lot of people. But when I was like in that early recovery where wisely you're saying like, maybe just hold off. Like I didn't listen to that. Uh, Nope. And um, I got pregnant in my halfway house, which was not part of the plan. And yeah, I mean, I I had, I had a really profound experience with um, acting selfishly with my sex conduct early in recovery and how that affected so many people. Um, and, and like, this might not be the forum for that, but I, I just bring that up to say that like, I, I experienced that side of it where like, there were red flags galore with this guy, right? The relationship was not healthy. I was starting to not go to meetings so I could spend time with him, coming home late for curfew so I could spend time with him, right? Like I was closer to a relapse than I have ever been, I think in these past 12 years because I was so, like he was my higher power. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm very lucky that I didn't go back out and, and take that a baby with me when I did that. Um, I was able to stay sober and be a mom, but yeah, like those... The slippery slope. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for uh, real. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> Do you think your baby contributed to you being staying sober? No, I don't. Um, and here's why I, I absolutely love my son. Uh, he is the most important thing in my life, but what I know of my alcoholism is that I, I don't have a choice in whether I pick up again. And there's not a man, a baby, a mother, there's not a human being on this earth that um, has been able to stop me from picking up a drink. And so I knew that when I was pregnant, I knew that this baby wouldn't keep me sober, but man, did I want to stay sober for this baby. Um, and so I, I 
I mean, I, I kicked him out. He was relapsing. I kicked him out. I said, I'm going to be a single mom. That's fine. And um, I leaned into this program. I leaned into my sponsor, to the women in this program, and the women that I got to sponsor during that time saved my ass more than I'll ever be able to repay them. So I don't, I, I know that my son didn't keep me sober, but he was a dang good reason to work this program so that I could stay sober. Wow. Yeah. And I have, I have a soft spot for moms in recovery because it does not matter how much you love your babies, this disease doesn't care and, and it, it doesn't discriminate. It really doesn't. So, you know, I have a mom who was um, addicted alcoholic and I know that she loved me and it wasn't that she didn't love me because that she drank and used. Um, I know that now. And I know that if I went back out, it's not because I don't love my son. It's because this disease is insidious. Yep. And if, I, if I'm drinking, it's because I'm not doing the work that I need to do to stay sober. Right. All right. Everyone give Maggie organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at MagdalenHouse.org. Thank you.